Welcome to the ED&D Podcast, a show where we interview professionals who are passionate about building an equitable education system for all students. I'm Ryan, one of the co-hosts. According to the Regional Educational Library, an estimated 15% of students with disabilities are English learners. So when we talk about inequality in special education, we are undoubtedly talking about both students whose first language is English and also students whose first language is not English. So how do we promote equity by creating culturally and linguistically responsive experiences for our students who are English learners? To answer that question, we talk to our colleagues at the Imperial County SELPA, Dr. Deborah Montoya, Lupita Olguin-Rubio, and Vanessa Lopez. Imperial County SELPA specializes in training and collaborating with districts in California to use the best techniques for teaching students with disabilities who are also English learners. What I love about this episode is hearing the stories of Deborah, Lupita, and Vanessa about how they got into the work that they're doing. It was a reminder for me about the power of our personal stories to inspire what we do for students. To learn more about the Imperial County SELPA, you can follow them on Twitter at EL underscore SWD underscore IC SELPA. You can follow us at E underscore D underscore and underscore D on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm RY underscore Estreato on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the episode. And welcome to this episode of the ED&D podcast, hosted by the South County SELPA in San Diego, California. I'm Olivia Rivera, executive consultant and member of the Equity, Disproportionality, and Design Project team. I want to introduce my colleagues, Ryan Estriato. Hi, everybody. And Marcus Jackson. Hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, Today is a special day as our guests are from the Imperial County Special Education and Local Plan area, and they are members of the California Statewide System of Support. They are recipients of the SELPA Content Lead Grant with a focus on improving outcomes for English learners and disabilities. It is my pleasure to introduce to you members of the Imperial County team. We'll start with Dr. Deborah Montoya, Senior Director. Deborah, how are you doing today? Hi, great. Thank you for the opportunity. Great to see you all. You're welcome. Uh, Vanessa Lopez, SELPA coordinator. Hey all, thank you for having us. Wonderful. And Lupita Olguin Rubio, SELPA coordinator. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. We're so happy to have you here today. Um, during the past two years, the ED&D team has had several opportunities to collaborate with these outstanding professionals from the Imperial County Office of Education. Deborah, Vanessa, and Lupita, you are an intelligent and passionate team of educators who strive to improve educational outcomes for students, especially English learners with disabilities. This equity work that you engage in is extremely important for students in California, and it is of a special interest to me because when I was in school, I was an English learner. You see, my parents were immigrants to the United States from Mexico, and my primary language was Spanish. And when I began my school experience, I learned to speak English as a second language. So as we begin our conversation today, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about your journey in becoming an educator. So um, Dr. Montoya, we'll start with you, if that's okay. Sure. Thank you, Olivia. Uh, My educational journey, while it's been quite an impact, I'm actually um, homegrown. I'm from Imperial County, 
now at the Imperial County Selpa, but I attended schools in Calexico. Some might ask, well, where is that? Right on the border of Mexicali Baja and Yuma, Arizona. So we are the very south, southeastern tip of California. So I'm born and raised here. And um, I, I like to think that we're just dual language learners where English and Spanish are the constant, the norm. Yes. Um, not, I can't necessarily say that one's a primary and one's a secondary because they're together all the time and everything that I do and learn. But I think I'm very fortunate, like many of the kids, um, lots of well-hearted, service-oriented educators um, that I experienced through my own educational journey that I think inspired me to continue on through my own education. So when I think of kind of growing up in the Valley, it seems um, very natural and normal to me until I left Imperial County. <laughs> so I was a school psychologist many moons ago um, and had that opportunity as well as being a principal, had an opportunity to then be a special education director and then move into the county office as well, a director of programs for children with moderate to severe disabilities, and then now as the director of the SELPA. So being homegrown, it gives me the opportunity to pay it forward and to continue to serve and serve well in my very own community, where I know that, again, in our heart is to serve all students whom the majority are English learners uh, in our community. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Montoya. Thank you for your dedication to our students. Um, Vanessa, could you share a little bit? Sure. So uh, my origin story has some parallels to yours, Olivia and uh, and Debbie's. Uh, my parents uh, were um, just showed up here in the U.S. deciding to make things better for themselves. My dad from Michoacan, my mom's family from Guanajuato. And um, so I was an English language learner as well. Uh, back in the day when I was going through the school system, we still had bilingual education. So I was in the bilingual program. Um, so uh, the focus was to develop both the English and the Spanish. And that really helped me in my journey as I um, navigated through uh, my education here in Calexico, elementary, junior high, high school, and then later to Cal State Long Beach and Point Loma Nazarene. So I've been all over the place. Um, and that really helped me uh, focus my love and passion for working, supporting um, English learners, their families, or communities. Uh, and now as a, in my role as a mother also, um, it really um, also helped me focus my energies in uh, supporting my own two children who were English learners, and then my son who is on the autism spectrum. So um, this really, um, this work, not only is it um, a job, but it's a passion, it's a way of life. Um, it's, it's the way that I choose to um, live and lead um, by keeping uh, these multifaceted um, just viewpoints. Um, in approaching education, not just my own, but my children's, but uh, children throughout the state um, and just all learners in general. And considering the fact that no single population is a monolith um, and really looking for those uh, dimensions of identity and attempting to address, validate and assert all of these as we're supporting students. 
Awesome. Thank you so much, Vanessa. And to make our world even smaller, my father was um, born in Michoacan, Mexico. So one more thing in common. <laughs> um, Lupita, share a little bit about your story with us. My story. Um, I grew up in a little town here in Imperial County uh, named Heber. Back then, the population was about 1,500. Um, very small, obviously, close-knit, predominantly Latino uh, Catholic community. Um, my parents are immigrants and immigrated to the United States when I was about three months old. So my older brother and I were bo both born in Mexicali, which is the, the border city, huge city, metropolitan city um, across the border. But I did all of my schooling here in Imperial County, you know, from elementary school all the way to college, even my master's degree. I um, pursued, it, pursued it locally, San Diego State has a satellite campus in Calexico. And so I stayed in the valley. I didn't pursue studies outside of Imperial Valley. Um, my father is very traditional and was very concerned about me leaving. I'm the oldest daughter. And so, you know, I'm a, I stayed <laughs> and no regrets at all whatsoever. I had wonderful ed uh, educators and uh, blessed to have been able to continue my studies here in Imperial County. Um, I worked at Calexico Unified as a fourth grade teacher. I was at Sealy Union School District as a first grade teacher. And um, most of my teaching experiences in the primary grades. And so I um, working with English learners. So when I was hired in Sealy, I was hired um, as one of their two B-clad teachers. They needed, they needed to hire B-clad teachers at that time. And so mm -hmm. um, my first exposure was teaching reading to um, English learners, many of them in this small town of Sealy, many of them similar backgrounds as mine. And so I could immediately relate not only to how they learned, how they were going to learn, but also, you know, what their families were experiencing and the kind of support that they needed based on what they had or didn't have at home. So I, I was able to apply based on what I knew, um, working with small children and, and really trying to figure out because still as a new teacher you know we don't know until we hit a wall right what what do we do what do we do right you're trained but you can't really apply anything new or new strategies until until a, a issue presents itself so i think i was blessed again with an opportunity to work with colleagues uh, at early in my career who were very supportive and very collaborative. And so I'm, I'm very much trained with this mindset of working together, working collaboratively um, is working better and con continuously improving our craft, right? By asking questions and tackling on problems. Um, really, that has been my experience in, in my professional um, pathway. After working in, um, as a school teacher for a few years, I was hired at Imperial County Office of Education as a literacy coordinator. And again, uh, focusing on English learners, I, I directed a, the California Reading and Literature Project for 12 years. And that certainly was a, a depth of learning for me as well. And again, my focus just deepened uh, in terms of literacy through the lens of language development. And so here I am working at Imperial County SELPA still learning, right, um, <laughs> which I love. It just it feeds me. Now really focusing on uh, the linguistic needs as well as educational needs of um, English learners who manifest uh, uh, learning disabilities. And, and even before that, 
really thinking about how the similarities of, of language difference and disability really take shape and to help educate folks in, in that aspect way before we even begin talking about um, a pathway for special education. As your team was selected to be a content lead in the California statewide system of, of support, um, tell us a little bit about just the area of focus and the vision for supporting the students. You've been doing it, it seems like all three of you along your entire career, but specifically with the project, um, what, has your, your, what has your focus and vision been? I, I, we have been just so blessed to have this opportunity. I think when, when I first applied, um, at that point, I, I hadn't um, considered, you know, who would help me? And it has just been, um, doors have opened to be able to have Vanessa and Lupita on the team with me. I'm just so ever grateful for the work that they've been able to bring to the grant project. At that time, when we applied, for, when I applied for the grant, the California Practitioner's Guide for Educating English Learners had not yet been published either. So something that is a passion project for me, improving outcomes for English learners with disabilities has now grown into more than even what I expected it to be. It has been just a phenomenal opportunity to be able to connect with SELPAs, their COEs, LEAs, as, you know, as we say in the system of support as connectors, facilitators, and capacity builders, um, Lupita and I just have had so much opportunity and trust from our respective SELPA COEs and LEAs that have um, wanted to dig into this work, have fruitful conversations, invite us into this space with them to look at promising practices, to look at where potential shifts and changes could be made to again ensure equity, inclusivity, and overall improvements and refinements in practices for English learners. And part of this work, I think um, we started small with Come One, Come All PD, with statewide PD. And I have to say right now, as we're in the middle of COVID, it has been a little bit of a silver lining for us to be able to virtually connect with so many because we are so rural it would be hard for us to be able to um, have the reach that we've had. So we're thankful for the opportunity again to talk about all things pre-referral, all the way to reclassification, identification of English learners as students who may be potentially a child with a disability. So the conversations have been wonderful, the ability to disseminate the PD and bring attention to the California Practitioner's Guide, which is such a foundational doc document. I have to say kudos to all of the experts that helped with the um, writing of that document uh, prior to our work. And it's given us avenues to sit around the table and talk to, and I really say talk because it has been genuine conversations as other LEAs bring questions and want to maybe uh, demystify a practice and, and be able to ask, you know, is this really the best practice? Could we be doing something different? And uh, we too continue to learn from the questions that come out in the field and help us reflect on what best practices are and how we can assist and support. Um, at the entry point, we're those who call upon us need us to be for them. It's interesting uh, when I had the opportunity to attend um, 
what your my first presentation with your team I actually drove out to your county office of education and had the pleasure to meet your team right on site and then um, had have participated on many uh, trainings on a virtual format um, what has been so amazing is just um, the openness that your team shares with the staff I mean you don't you're there to teach and to broaden skill sets, um, but never um, in a manner that is, um, you know, causing doubt for the learner. It's always encouraging, like, let me just meet you where I'm at, and let me meet you where you're at, and then I'm going to take you to the next step. And uh, as a bilingual school psychologist, I felt like I had learned so much, right, in serving students who are English learners, and yet I felt like I was at the beginning starting all over again with, because obviously, you know, in education, things change, right, and we get better. So I'm just really grateful for that opportunity. And I want to give you guys uh, uh, some, some acknowledgement, because what, what I see and when I hear you say, you know, being homegrown and, and working in the area you grew up in, that's powerful. And I know it has a tremendous impact on you. What kind of impact does that have on your, your, the parents and the, the students that you see? Because I'm sure they see you around town. And to know that you're impacting their lives, it's a great feeling for you because as educators, we all would love to go back to our community and really, you know, kind of give back some of the things that we've learned over time. What kind of impact do you think that has on your parents and your students in your community? How about you, Vanessa? I was hoping you'd ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, for, I taught in Calexico for 18 years and I live in Calexico. I still live there. So I taught there 18 years and at the same school site for those 18 years before I came to Selpa. So it was really neat to go to our local markets and then just run into parents and students and have like a parent-teacher conference, you know, as you're picking out lemons at the grocery store <laughs> um, or while you're picking up shopping carts in the parking lot, right? So, um, so it was really nice to see that. And also, um, I lived close by to the school where I worked at. And that really spoke to me because really, when you're invested in your community, you really do go above and beyond. When you know your parents, when you know your students, when you know everybody around in the neighborhood and you're greeting everybody and you know a little bit of their background and you share maybe some aspects of the background, it really does inform um, your relationships and your understanding of situations that perhaps may seem foreign to others. Mm -hmm. So um, the area where the school um, where I worked at, um, it it's a fairly large. Uh, there's a lot of apartments, homes a lot of homes with studio apartments in the back. So one of the practices that I had was riding my bike at night. I would just ride my bike at night and uh, with my family and, you know, and like just drive by, say hi to the kids um, as a way of being aware of the students that I worked with. And when I would see them at school, know that, okay, well, you know, last night I went by like at eight o'clock and they were like playing out in the street. And when I asked them where, what they were going to, we were, they were going to do it. They said they were going to stay there out there longer. So just knowing a little bit like that um, of information when you're establishing and banking into making relationships with families so that you can truly work with them and help develop what it is that these children and these families already bring. It is critical because then you have this shared common understanding. Um, so to me, that was a, a 
real benefit. You know, most people will say, you know, like, I don't want to live anywhere near close to where I live because I don't want people to know what, you know, what I'm doing or what I'm wearing or when I go get my mail or what I wear when I go get my mail. Um, but, you know, like there's a lot of benefits as well to that. And, and I, I know that my practice as a teacher, as a special education teacher, as an English language learner, a coach, as an instructional technology support person, like it really informed my practice because I was able to take in the environments, the people, the interactions, the community uh, to inform the work that I did at the school site. That's powerful. That's powerful. And also um, you inspire the younger versions of yourselves, the kids who see you and see that you can do it. Therefore, it gives them the inspiration that they can do it as well. So thank you. Uh, are you, um, Vanessa, Deborah, Lupita, are you familiar with the novel by Sandra Cisneros, um, uh, um, let's see, Mango Street, House on Mango Street? Yes, okay. So um, as Marcus was asking that question, uh, that's what it reminded me of. I just always remember, and I won't quote it uh, specifically or perfectly, but when it says, uh, where are you going, Esperanza? Where are you going with all those books and papers? I'm going away to come back for those who could, could not get out, for those that were left behind. And I, I very much, I hear that in your stories. I feel that as part of my story is coming back to the community. I'm actually in the South Bay area, which is where I was. I grew up. And so it's a, it's a blessing, as you said, to be able to serve our students and our families and um, to be able to just, in every parent's eyes that I see, I see my own parents and the struggle that they went through to advocate for, my, for, for myself and my brothers and, uh, and my brothers. So yes, yeah, so thank you for, for that. Um, that. That gave me chills. I know, I'm sorry, I got a little emotional there. You know, <laughs> it's real, it's real. I think it's really important to, to take note of that in any profession. But I think most importantly, in, in a profession involving education, and especially here in Imperial County, where so many of our families are immigrant families, and um, where, you know, they, they, we, I'll speak for myself, I don't see myself as a model, um, but I have to recognize that, um, that I am. And so for that reason, what, what I do is, is beyond uh, beyond, you know, the eight to five, yeah. 12 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it is, it really kind of brings to perspective how, how deep and powerful this work can be. And, and again, just having this opportunity with my phenomenal colleagues uh, to be able to do this seemingly effortless, effortlessly. It is, it is a lot of work, but it's fun. And we kind of feed off each other. And, um, I'm certainly growing dendrites every single day. And, and I just, I really appreciate that opportunity and just recognizing that um, the impact that we have, not just locally, but statewide um, is, it's tremendous. And, and I, I brought that up too, because um, I wanted to acknowledge, we wanted to acknowledge you guys because I, you all, because I think that when you talk, when you talk about English learners, I'm talking about your team. When you talk about English learners, you don't, it's not superficial, it's real. We can feel it. And I'm sure the people who work with you get that same response, but it's just powerful. You are truly invested in your community. And to me, that's, that's a powerful component of what educators need to have. Thank you so much, Marcus. That, that really means a lot to us because it is near and dear to our heart. And I think in all that we do, um, this work for us in that sense, that aspect is easy because we truly believe that students have multiple abilities 
and the English learners bring so much to the table. We feel that um, the more that we learn about our students, the more that we can assist and support them. And this opportunity to not only in our own, in our own county to be able now to connect with SELPA statewide, COE, the LEA statewide, it, it, it really touches our heart. And we're so grateful to be able to have this opportunity to um, you know, answer questions when people have them and to help the state see our students and truly see them with a lens for all they can bring. Because we know that there are pockets of students just like us uh, across California. It's not only in our small rural communities. Mm -hmm. We know that there are English learners and not just Spanish speakers like us, um, but English learners of many languages and dialects throughout California that are in so need of this support and for their teachers to see them and to see their levels of needs because they are varied and different. So the supportive structures are constantly growing. We're constantly growing and learning new strategies and skills as well. And we just hope to share that with as many who will listen and reach out and who have questions. I wanted to do a shout out to the website you've created, and we are going to um, uh, give um, the address for that in, in a bit. But um, the website you've created that has tons of resources for educators, parents, um, support personnel in terms of working with English learners. You have, I know, video recordings of your presentations that you've provided, handouts, et cetera. Um, tell us a little bit about just um, in, in your idea, what has been some of the greatest celebrations during the past three years and the work that you've done? Um, may, uh, maybe we'll go, Vanessa, you have an example you can share. Wow. Um, in this short amount of time um, that we've been together as a team working on um, improving outcomes for English learners with disabilities, um, we've had quite a few high points. Um, it's it's always shocking when you think back because when you're in it, you're not noticing, you know, you're just working, working, you know, nose to the grindstone and you don't notice like, you know, the peaks and valleys. Well, we tend to perseverate on those valleys or those Mariana trenches, right, that we sometimes get into. <laughs> um, but, um, but I think the number one thing for me has been just being able to connect and collaborate with practitioners throughout the state. Um, it's so important um, to get a varied perspective because when we're talking about practitioners, we're talking about all practitioners that work with students who are dually identified, right? So getting the perspective of school psychologists, of school and language pathologists, of teachers, general education teachers, TOSAs, admin, SELPA admin, um, coordinators, just everybody to get everybody's perspective is critical because that further informs the practice. So the current platform that we're using Zoom and being able to connect uh, digitally uh, with so many practitioners throughout the state really, really is a peak for me because it'll inform everything that we push out in the future and in really fine tuning and, and providing more of that technical assistance that is related specifically to an identified area of need. Um, because the underlying uh, Base is there, right? I mean, we there there are best practices, but then on top of best practices, there are modifications, accommodations, mm -hmm. and then what my role is is in the education of that student, keeping all of those different things free flowing, going, developing, open ended, 
and just ebbing and flowing is, is critical. So that ability to collaborate, connect, uh, and build capacity together, really, because although our charge mm -hmm. is to be capacity builders, I find that we build each other's capacity as well. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's been amazing that in and of itself, uh, just connecting has been outstanding. Wonderful. Lupita, anything else you'd like to add in terms of a celebration? Yes, absolutely. I think what's really, really, really big, at least through our lens and this scope of work, is being able to not only collaborate, but make connections with our general ed groups and, and associations and working with them and helping develop tools, sharing resources, getting input and feedback. And really, that is one of our, I want to say, maybe maybe our number one message is we model what we want folks to really consider and reflect upon is let's bring everybody to the table um, and help support and in support of our English learners with disabilities because everybody has some insight into how best to support each individual child. So uh, reaching out to and working with, for example, GABE, uh, BCN, um, Loyola Marymount, our friends with the uh, SEAL, and our Sobrato SEAL friends as well, California's Together, um, on and on and on. Our Title III friends, our Yale specialists statewide, not only reaching out to us, but in support of our work, sharing our tools, you know, highlighting uh, resources on our website. It's really sending that message that uh, working together is working better. And, and so that's definitely a highlight through my lens. Awesome, wonderful. Deborah, anything else you'd like to add? Well, I have to say, as Lupita was saying, that that collective commitment, that multidisciplinary team approach has truly been um, something that we believe in. We've been working and striving. I say striving because we're constantly like, don't forget the general education experts. Don't forget your EL specialists because sometimes when folks hear SELPA, automatically think special education. And our special education experts come to the table, which is wonderful. But when we're thinking about our students and their diverse needs, when we think whole child, we need our EL specialists, our EL coordinators, our general ed administrators who are also facilitating IEPs. Um, you know, we need teams of professionals together, working together to build common language. So every time we have a PD event or a phone call or an email that's together, special educators and general educators, we celebrate. We're like, oh, we get so excited, you know, to see when they say, oh, we had some principals or, you know, it's, it's always reassuring to us that it's information that they need, how we can support and, and assist. But speaking back to the website, because I know you were talking about the website and we do have um, lots of resources on the website. I have to say, we continue to refine that website and build the content there as we hear from the field. And I know Vanessa doesn't like to give herself a whole lot of credit, but she's super duper techie. And her, and I have to give a shout out, he's not with us, but we have another member on our team who is uh, JC. And he um, is our website developer and constantly working and responding to our requests so that we can ensure that the tools and the resources that are on our website are just user-friendly, that anyone can go to the resource and whether it's you're looking for an infographic to lead you through the practitioner's guide, if you're looking for downloadable appendices that they're right at hand for you, if you want to see the latest highlights through our newsletter, 
or just connecting with us and emailing us directly. We, you know, we answer our, our email when you when you call upon us. Um, and of course the video modules. So we've taken the time that we'll record and all the resources are packaged there, easy to use and reuse um, as any LEA district, whether individually or in group, want to utilize all those materials and watch those recorded webinars. It's always been helpful. So that's been definitely a high point to be able to, um, especially in this time when everyone is learning in different ways, schedules are so busy that if you have a live session, wonderful. We'd love to see you there. Um, but likewise, know that everyone can take a, and find the resource they need because we have uh, various topics, again, from all spectrums of the practitioner's guide from pre-referral to referral assessments and exits and reclassification. So lots of resources on our website at, at the ready for anyone who needs them. Um, with the COVID-19 pandemic in the last year, um, you know, we've talked about some of the some of the barriers have been students, you know, obviously not being able to come to school in person. Some of the some of the pluses have been being able to reach across the state in terms of professional development. Um, I know that your team has worked um, diligently and in, in developing supports for parents and resources in terms of being able to access the virtual formats. Is there any information you can just uh, share a little bit with the audience um, that they might be able to access on your website? So um, early on uh, in the pandemic, so at, on top of doing the, um, the grant work, uh, I also work with um, the fantastic uh, team member here at SELPA, Tiffany Clavery, shout out to Tiffany. We work on AT together. And um, so we developed a Padlet that um, really highlighted tools that are accessible to students. Um, and then we use that as a jumping off point for developing video tutorials in Spanish, because I mean, here are English learners, the primary language is Spanish, um, on videos in Spanish on how to support parents in accessing Zoom. So uh, we developed an infographic on in Spanish, uh, English and Spanish, so they were companions, uh, same content, just one in English, one in Spanish, and then a how-to video in Spanish as well. Um, because most of our school sites locally were using um, some, if not all, of the Google Suite. Can I say Google Suite, the, what we were using? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Not an endorsement, yeah, just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's locally, just a tool. That's, <laughs> just a tool that they were using locally. And uh, so... So we developed a series of Spanish language tutorials so that parents would know how to help their children navigate through Drive, right? Because we were talking about elements in literacy now that are technology literacy, right? Digital literacy. Um, and we really wanted to highlight the fact that all those the students that are in school right now are digital natives, right? They're digital natives with a particular focus, which is usually entertainment, right? Not necessarily academically focused. So supporting parents in their primary language and supporting their students in navigating this platform of organizing their folders, how to navigate Google Classroom, how to use the tools within Google Docs to translate, how to use extensions or add-ons uh, within Google Chrome. Um, you know, just developing videos like that um, was our starting off point way back in March and April when we first went um, into um, distance learning. So those are housed 
in our AT, Assistive Technology section in our website. And like all of our other resources that Debbie and Lupita mentioned are free and accessible for all. So everything that you find there, you may click on, link, share, um, change up, do your own uh, improvements, uh, scale down, scale up, up to you, they're all available for you. And share back, right? So you guys can uh, continue to use. You Great. got it. <laughs> Hey, I, I wanted to ask you all, uh, particularly about the area of equity. I know you all uh, talk about equity in your work. And we want our listeners to know that uh, equity is a process. It's not a one and done. You need to roll up your sleeves and be ready to go, whether it's a national, state, uh, county, district level. You, you know. And so what I want you guys to, can someone talk about um, going through that? Sometimes there are, are barriers. Have you had to encounter any barriers? Because the way that I see equity working is it only stops when you stop. So we have to figure out ways to overcome those obstacles. Uh, has there been any, any barriers that you all have had to um, work through regarding um, equity work? When we consider equity and truly, as I mentioned before, seeing and understanding our students for all that they bring to the table. Um, we often uh, reflect back to the roadmap, the EL roadmap principles about assets oriented, need responsive schools. We repeat that I don't know how many times because we believe it and it's so important. That's where it starts. Ensuring that we are responding to the needs of who we're serving. And sometimes that means really understanding, well, who are you serving? And that's such an important question because I think as we um, consider equity. Part of our work has also been to sometimes demystify, debunk mm-hmm. mythbusters, if you will, certain yeah. maybe um, biases or um, some deficit thinking, perhaps, in who English learners are and what they bring to the table and how our students can learn and do have language, do have skill mm-hmm. when they come in uh, to our educational system. So sometimes it's about reflection, more about reflecting. I think as facilitators, that's what we do more than anything is help others reflect on their practices and reflect on, you know, where, where, where is my frame of thinking rooted in and what are our written and unwritten practices? Because sometimes it's there, the unwritten practices that we need to look at, reflect on and consider before we can really move forward. Mm-hmm. So we hope to also be able to do that through our work to truly get to that place where we can relook, reshift our lens, if you will, to look at English learners for the varied needs and skills and abilities that they have, and as well as the disability and the multiple disabilities that exist. So that recently has been our, our heavy push, if you will, knowing that as we come out of COVID, worries about equity and perhaps over referrals for special education. Mm-hmm. So as we think about the variance amongst English learners as they are at different levels of English language proficiency, as well as students with disability in their own unique respective disability category. We know that regardless of the disability category itself, there are, you know, each individual is an individual. And we can't say that one child in that category is just like the next. So there's so much more work to be done. But um, that's, we're getting started. Getting things <laughs> you know, as your team is, and I know that's a big focus of your team, 
So as connectors and facilitators, I think that's part of the system of support as well, that we have the opportunity that maybe when we notice something, we're able to then say the ED&D group might be your next stop or supportive and where we can collaborate. I think, again, um, more power to us to be able to sit together in hand and support those districts that need us. Hey, Debbie, earlier you mentioned that part of the work is debunking some commonly held myths about um, English learners and, um, and the best ways to support them. Question for, uh, for anybody, what's an example of, of, a, of a myth that you, you commonly have to, uh, to, to interrupt? Okay, so one of the top ones is that all disability categories are the same right mm. um and really uh, or that they're all they all have an impact on um on a student's uh, intellectual capacity right mm. uh, that they're cognitively based so that was that's one of of uh the ones that we have uh, a lot of especially as we're talking about um alternate um assessment for uh, students with uh more significant needs um so that's one definitely that pops up um and again, that's part of like the whole learning process, right? Because we are bringing people from the field that may or may not have had access to um, a lot of special education background, um, a lot, just setting the, the, the groundwork, right? So that we can understand each other and those conversations, like these are critical points to, to, to discuss, but definitely that's one of the ones that pops up. I am going to chime in here, even though it may not be something that you've encountered as a team, but um, growing up, I'm going to say as a bilingual educator through the years, one of the things I've seen um, the need to address in the various environments I've worked in is um, the myth that parents um, whose primary language is not English, right? And in my, and I primarily serve um, Latino communities or Spanish speakers. Um, that they don't care about education. And that is a tremendous myth that um, my, neither of my parents went to school, um, but what they did instill in me was the love of learning. And they instilled um, a work ethic that was, I think, beyond, um, beyond anything other, a gift that someone could share. So um, I don't know if that's something that you have experienced. Not directly. However, through through our activities and through you know very thoughtful um, opportunities to have participants and teams in particular engage in dialogue about their practices, um, perhaps biases surface, and that's where as a team, you know we have um, we have an obligation to help guide that conversation so that they can be addressed. So much of our work touches systems and systems thinking and the impact that these that current systems have. Um, just the other day, uh, we were having a conversation about um, barriers and biases and, and what might that look like moving forward as schools slowly begin to reopen and we are seeing um, the impact of learning gaps. And uh, so, it's very real and we are constantly thinking and talking about it and, and trying to address it in a way that helps 
folks feel comfortable and and kind of sense of ganas wanting to okay we need to we need to start making these changes slowly but surely but really first and foremost being reflective and identifying whatever knowledge gaps whatever process gaps there may be uh, practices policies whether written or unwritten um, in light of what students need and what they bring to the table really through an assets-based approach rather than let's try and fix it you know it's let's talk about and think about our processes and practices and in light of what kids are needing and bringing to the table what changes and shifts do we need to make and so although that's not the focus of our work inevitably Mm -hmm. uh through through the the practitioner guide and because it's steeped in the four principles of the yield roadmap um, and all the tools that the roadmap and resources provide, which we, we use in, in many of our presentations, the toolkits are phenomenal for guiding these very powerful candid conversations about systems and, and what are we providing for our English learners and English learners with disabilities. Um, I, I don't think we think about our, the barriers so much rather than we field questions and we reflect mm-hmm. ourselves on what folks are asking and not asking, and then kind of build around that. Wonderful. So I could sit here and talk to you all night long, but I know that eventually you need to get home to your kids and your families. (laughs) So um, I think we're going to start wrapping it up here. Um, Before we leave, do tell us if um, maybe, Deborah, if you can, what are some of the goals that you have for your team in terms of scaling up your services across, um, whether it's different districts or across the state in the upcoming year, um, some of the things that are on your wish list? Well, I also have to remind us that we're, we're a three team, but small <laughs> but mighty, I guess. Um, but I think we have lots of goals for ourselves, mm-hmm. but we have now had the opportunity to meet more um, with PLCs and that deeper level of having more closer conversations to students, if you will. So at the LEA level, um, of course, you know, we ask that the SELPA facilitate or be there, you know, to help us coordinate, but to have those conversations and getting um, contacts from various districts that, that call their SELPA to then call us and say, you know, how can we all work together? Because we may be in significant dispro in certain areas, or we see as a dashboard subgroup English learners, or when we look at our own data, we have concerns with where we're going or where we can make improvements. Um, so that's where we hope to be able to, is be able to have that uh, closer, although we will we'll continue to provide statewide PD offerings. So that is definitely still a goal of ours. We'll still connect and provide technical assistance where we can. We you know field emails and questions of that sort. Um, but now we've had the opportunities to connect with COEs, LEAs, and SELPAs together and have that PLC work where they work in teams so that we have the opportunity to really focus in and tailor our work to aspects that they want to focus on. So that is really our next goal is to hear more from those who need us. Um, we provide uh, SELPAs or, and together with their LEAs uh, a survey so that they can then determine you know, where their needs really are. 
um, and where we can get started with the work. So tailor-made work is our focus, but we also recognize that with students transitioning back, uh, practitioners in the field going back to classrooms and this ever-evolving and changing environment, we want to provide PDE, PD that's um, chunked, snippets, useful for the practitioner to be able to grab and go sit in on a 60-minute session, maybe even a 90-minute session tops, but 30 to 60 minutes on a resource, on a tool, and be able to use it immediately. So we want to scale back in that respect of providing this long PD, but focus on maybe small snippets that practitioners can immediately use. Definitely, we want folks to go onto our website, explore, because we do have more infographics in the works. Again, usable practitioner tools, as we, we've heard it loud and clear, that's what everyone wants in the field, and we're here to serve. So more infographics, smaller bites of recorded PD modules, and then closer connections um, to offer PD and consultative practices with SELPA, COEs, and their LEAs. Awesome. Thank you so much. So before we do a, a, a um, final wrap up, I just want to, on behalf of the ED&D team, we want to give us just special thanks to all of you, the Perry County SELPA, just for all the support you've done to students, the collaboration that you've done with our team and the other teams in the system of support. Um, when you're not uh, doing professional development and creating all these amazing websites and resources for parents and families. Tell us a little bit and we'll go of where each of you, um, what do you do for your own well-being? How do you spend your time rejuvenating yourself if and when you get those opportunities, even if they may be small? <laughs> How about Lupita, we'll start with you. Um, I am very fortunate that I can get away. Um, I, I love San Diego. I love the weather. I love the beach. I love that you could go anywhere and be outdoors. It's kind of hot where we live. So I, I, I get away. I just change my environment. And um, whenever possible, um, just give myself a little bit of me time where it's just me, myself, and I. Whether it's a walk, whether it's in my room, uh, whether it's, you know, at the beach or at the park. So really, it's, it's just changing my environment and doing whatever whatever it is that I need to do or want to do or don't want to do. You know, it's just the changing my environment is really helpful for me. Good, awesome, thank you. Vanessa? CrossFit baby. Um, I am, I've uh, had the Kool-Aid. I uh, completely into the CrossFit lifestyle. I've been doing it for nine years. My gym closed because of um, the whole COVID restrictions and they didn't reopen, so I've, really been working on um, making my garage into a home gym. So I've got the weights, I've got the everything. And I'm, uh, when my cats aren't interrupting my workout, I'm able to pull a 255 pound deadlift and 135 Whoa. pound <laughs> jerk. So love it. Okay, we're gonna hire you as our team's personal <laughs> trainer. <laughs> Deborah, how about you? Oh, I can't talk that way, Vanessa's is amazing. I know, so, you, you know. can say you eat cupcakes, I don't know. <laughs> You know, it's funny that you say that because I love to bake. The problem is that I eat all the baked goods, but I love to bake. My kids love, they want me to bake like every single weekend. But I have to say, I'm a proud mom of two kiddos and uh, my husband and I, we like to take them camping. So we like to camp out and I actually love it because 
I can disconnect. And sometimes we really need to just disconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of self-care is really just about caring for ourselves and it's not selfish. Mm -hmm. And be able to just say, I'm actually not going to check that email or I'm not going to look at the devices, things like that. Mm -hmm. A funny tidbit about myself is I don't have, uh, I don't, I don't do social media. Interesting. Oh, wow. Okay. Ask me to get onto Twitter. I opened a Twitter account. (laughs) I have not posted anything. (laughs) Uh, But if you want to follow me, sure. (laughs) Um, Because, uh, you know, sometimes I just need to just disconnect and not be in the grand scheme of things. I do like to read and just spend time with my, with my kiddos. And we um, just prior to quarantine in March, we had brought gotten a little puppy, a pug, and she has been our like little social emotional support puppy here in the house since COVID. So I know many have (laughs) this time. So it worked out really well. So between camping, being a mom, reading, disconnecting, I think that's really important. Awesome. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So uh, call to action for all our listeners. I'm going to ask that you follow our guests on Twitter, speaking of social media, at EL underscore SWD and visit their website at ICOE.org. We want to acknowledge the California Department of Education and the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence for awarding the SOPA Content Lead Grants, which allow this critical work to happen across the state. Uh, Thank you to our listeners for sharing this conversation with us. Uh, Please join us at our next ED&D episode as we continue the journey of interviewing professionals who possess a passion for building equitable and educational services for all students. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate you guys.